0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Lonely Town, a killer's podcast with Jimmy and Derek. Today, we have a very special guest, Todd Newcomb. Uh, Todd is what I would call one of the godfathers of alternative music in Utah. And he is a DJ on X96, which is Utah's major alternative radio station. And he helped start it uh, almost 30 years ago. He's the current program director He's from a small town in Utah, like us. <laughs> He's a train aficionado, and we got, I as I listened to Pressure Machine for the 400th time, listening to all the train references and thinking about Utah music, I thought we ha- have to get Todd if he'll come on, and I'm so glad he was able to take the time to come with us. So, Todd, you wrote a review of Pressure Machine on x96.com. Yeah. And... Uh, in that in that review you said i grew up in hooper so this album feels like it was written just for me i think everyone from a small town in utah and throughout the country will appreciate this spectacular gem so i wanted you to just uh if you could tell us about where you grew up and why pressure machine how why you feel like it relates to you so much
1: well i i grew up as you mentioned in hooper and for those that don't know that's um like west of Ogden and it kind of on the edge of the great salt lake. And it really is. It's just there, you know, and, and it's not on the way to anywhere like Nephi, you've got at least I-15 running through it. Hooper is just on the edge. Right. And so it's just so rural uh, and so beautiful. And, you know, you look back as a teenager and you're kind of, you kind of hate, hate it. Cause it's like, man, it's so boring in Hooper, but I, you know, anytime we go back to see my parents, um, who still live you know there it, it it just feels like such a warm like homey place and that's why quiet town in that verse where Brandon talks about how uh when he goes back and he thinks of his parents in the prime of their life you know uh just giving him unconditional love like that's that just hits hits you pretty good you know for me and uh so yeah just so many parts of this of this uh album just really like ring so true um, so
2: you're, you're a train guy, Jimmy mentioned that a little, uh, earlier. Um, I actually learned the term "foamer" from listening to you. Uh, <laughs> can you explain to everyone what that, what that term is? And then when listening through pressure machine, uh, the train is like almost its own character throughout that. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So
1: the term "foamer," I think it's used by people that actually work in, in the railroad industry and, and foamers are, are guys like me, uh, that we see a train and we stand at the side of the tracks and foam at the mouth with that, <laughs> with that rabid and excited for it. And there was a lot of that going on when uh, Union Pacific brought big boy through a couple of times uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, and uh, it's cool that they used like in the video for quiet town, the train in the, in the video, the animated train looks like they sort of modeled it after big boy, the, the big uh, Union Pacific uh, steam locomotive. And um and, and and then you hear in the little like interview clips the 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 interstitials or whatever Brandon called them. <laughs> <laughs> um, you hear you hear people referencing it, and then it kind of ends with with uh, a guy talking about the train and his his kids or his grandkids or something like to watch it go by, and um, and, and it talks about uh, you know that first verse of Quiet Town again. You know the kids that got that, that got hit. Now you guys mentioned. Um, Now, you did you guys you went to school down there? Did you know Brandon? Was he your age or? or Yeah, one year. He was
0: one year older than us. So we had some classes with him. I was on the golf team with him. And uh, before he moved. Um, So we knew him. We weren't best friends or anything. But yeah, we were growing up at the same time.
1: But you got to tell me what kind of a, what kind of a kid he was in high school. Was he, was he, uh, was he uh trendy or did he, did he look like he was from Nephi or was he pushing the fashion boundaries a little bit?
2: What, what I always tell people is if you were to take everyone in the school and line them all up together and say, one of these guys is going to be a major rock star in 20 years. <laughs> he'd have been like towards the last pick. He just, I, I don't mean it negative because I wouldn't have been near the top at all either, but, uh, just kind of average is, is, is kind of a harsh word to say, but I think it was just kind of average. Uh, he he was there. He, you know, he did his thing. Um, apparently he might not have had that great of a time there and wanted to break out and go back to Vegas. But, uh, when he did become famous or or whatever, it was like a double head take of like, is this the same guy that, you know, (laughs) so, uh, for me that, I mean, he was just kind of not a wallflower. He had a personality and and he you know, interact with him, but uh it wasn't like trendy pushing limits, uh dressing, you know, differently or whatever. He didn't dress like small town cowboyish either. It was just like just normal. That's that's the best <laughs> Jimmy golfed and did a little more with him. So
0: yeah, he was a pretty quiet kid. And like Derek said, when he's got a pretty unique name, but when um and when we heard about the killers and Brandon Flowers, we did have question whether it was really him or not. Um <laughs>
1: You know, and then you and then you go to the show, and he's out there in this glittery gold, you yeah. know, uh, jacket. And
0: <laughs> didn't know he was that. He had that side of a performer in him, but yeah, he spent most of his time at the golf course. Um, I think that's one of the main reasons he moved to Vegas was uh, to try to improve his chances of becoming a professional golfer. And luckily for him, that didn't work out.
2: <laughs> now, it? Yeah.
1: He worked. Did he work at the Taco Time?
2: He worked at the Taco uh, Time and uh they still have a picture if you go there now um my see my parents still live there and they didn't believe me i think the only reason this taco time is still in business honestly is because of brandon and people <laughs> it's right off the freeway but they'll come to to the, go there but they have a, a picture of him and a crispy bean burritos like you know 20 times the size of the picture and his little head is like underneath it <laughs> like brandon flowers are the killer's favorite you know snack or something like that i think oh i love it to, um it has some radio station. I can't remember ninety four nine or somebody like presented it to him or, or something. And, uh, every time we go online and we've researched a lot more for this podcast, obviously, and and uh, go in the forums or on Reddit, and everyone stops there and gets a picture with the crispy burrito and that sign. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's
1: it's there. <laughs> it's it's weird for me to know that um, that when he was a teenager, because uh, he was he was down there from ninety to about ninety or so the first first half of the 90s ish and you know that's we started the station um in 92 yeah it was 90 february of 92 and um you know to know that he was there like he went to the big ass show like he's mentioned this to me over time like some of the concerts that we put on that he was at and just that he listened to us growing up and still does like because he lives here now (laughs) and it just blows my mind a little bit you know because how bizarre is that? That just some kid from Nephi that used to listen to me play new order on the radio is now friends with the lead singer of new order and like <laughs> did songs with him And, you know, oh, yeah, it's, but- it's, 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 it's bizarre. Um, but, you know, he's like so completely down to earth. Like you describe him as he wasn't, he was just kind of super, you know, kind of a chill kid. And he's still that, like he's, he's, he's Brandon flowers of one of the biggest rock bands ever and he's so just you know chill just normal and like when he came in to do that interview with us uh, with the morning show um he just shows up with his kids and <laughs> they played ping pong while in our, in our lobby while he you know did the interview and we just chat and he's just such a normal guy and and super friendly and you know just all the little things that he'll mention about having listened to us, you know, growing up and everything, it just, it's, it's bizarre.
2: So, so when did the killers come on your radar? So you got the the station there and you're, you're finding new bands and you're always putting out your, uh, you know, testing and seeing what works and what doesn't. When did the killers kind of come into the scene and, and, and when did you learn the connection with Brandon and Nephi?
1: So I, th- I think it was, um, I want to say it was 2004. Um, and they, it was weird because they kind of had a little bit of an advanced start in the UK and the rep for Island Records at the time came to visit, like they do from time to time to play us, you know, new new stuff. And they had, you know, quite a few things. And they're like, and here's one you might like, Todd. It's a band called The Killers. They're kind of a new wave. They know my taste, you know, <laughs> these record reps. And so I and they played it for me. And I'm like, God, this is really good. And I, I don't remember which song they played. I don't know if we're, I don't know if it was Bright Side or if it was somebody told me. Somebody told me it was the first commercial U.S. single but they may have played both of them to me or one or the other. I don't recall. Um, and I remember they had the, the CD and it was a, a a compact disc from, from that was pressed in the UK. And so here's me getting on the radio and playing it. Uh, Cause they played me a bunch of stuff that day and I liked two or three of them. And, and so I get on the air and I'm like, Hey, here's this band from the UK. They're called the killers. <laughs> and, and then someone calls says, Hey, that's a kid from like Utah, from Nephi, <laughs> and they're not from <laughs> the UK, and, and I'm like, oh, crap. I got them confused with something else they played for me that same day, and anyway, that's, that's my, you know, screwing up my uh, intro to The Killers for the first time.
0: I remember the first time I heard The Killers was on X96, and I confused it with kind of an Aquabats-type song, where there's an Aquabats song where they say, you know, similar to somebody told me you had a boyfriend, looks like a girlfriend, it's... I was like... <laughs> And then I found out later that it was the killers and it was Brandon's Ben. I was like, Oh, I I was way off, but yeah, you, yeah. It's interesting to think of, of your impact on musical taste in Utah. Um, It's pretty famous, you know, from many interviews, Brandon has said that uh, it's his older brother, Shane, that got him interested in the type of music that he liked. And it would have been X 96 where he would have heard these songs growing up where Brandon would have heard those. And then you were the first station that would have been playing, um, The killer songs, and so it's that's (laughs) funny to see how that came full circle.
1: And then, and then he writes an album all about Utah, like just very blatantly about Utah and growing up here. And it's it's uh, it's quite a trip. And I don't know, like, I I don't know if 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 this album would connect to me like it does if if I wasn't from Utah or or if it wasn't so openly about Utah. I don't know the answer to that question, but it, it it does and it does connect to me and for those reasons. And so I, I, really, I think it's the best album that's come out this year. I think it's my favorite killers album. I mean, you gotta go back to, you know, you have hot fuss and some of the other ones, but, but this is just so damn good as an album. Like just, it's like an experience and I just barely like got uh, the vinyl copy of it. I had, I got it yesterday from the, from the record label. Um, and I played that this morning when I first got up and um, it's just such a fun, like one. Like I really am serious when I compare it to uh, the Joshua Tree from from you two. Like I really feel it's that like cohesive of a work, and the songs are that like honest and 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 brilliant and and uh, it's like a whole different level of of that band. You know, uh, opened up when they put this one out.
2: Yeah, yeah. With the podcast, we've been going. So we interviewed people like you, but then we've been going song by song, kind of breaking it down, giving it our take of, you know, we grew up here. This is what we think it means. Um, But what are some things that you've listened to it and and heard that might be Utah culture that somebody listening over in the UK or, you know, in Philadelphia or whatever might not catch? What are some, you know, I mean,
1: I mean, you know, opening song like that's And and they said when I first got the advance of, of the album, um, you just like the first three lines of West Hills, like the first song on the album, you, you know, it just starts out. I was born right here in Zion and God's only son and the whole thing. And it just paints the picture of every Sunday morning I was at church, you know, and it just goes from there and then quiet town. And here's something, and this, this, this is, you know, uh, with, with quiet town. So, you know, it talks about the kids, you know, that got hit by the, the train and, and that happened in Hooper, you know more than more than more than one occasion but the one that like really like sticks to us is um a kid that lived next door to my parents and my little brothers um went to Fremont High School and was friends with my little brothers he was a few years older than them but when you're in Hooper and you have a kid next door everyone's friends cuz there's nothing else to do but uh, his name was Tyson Murray and uh he got hit him and his uh, buddy were uh, in, in a truck and they got hit by a train, um, and it killed them. And, you know, those stories like that just ring so true. So like, you know, when I first heard that line of that song, that's of course, first what I thought of. And then, you know, I did some research and saw that he's talking about some kids that, you know, were from your school and everything. And, and, um, just very open about it. And through the album, there's a lot of references to, to opioid abuse and stuff. And, and, uh, how, how prevalent is that? I mean, is that a pretty big issue still?
0: When we, when it first came out, my first thought was he's making this, he's making Nephi sound like a big drug Haven. You know, <laughs> I, I, my, my first reaction was that's not what it's like, but then as time has gone on, as, as we think back, um, you know, you, you get, a handful or two of, of people you remember that, that died from, you know, or that OD'd or yeah. issues. And you, you realize it's a lot more prevalent than than you think when you, when you stop and think about it.
1: Yep. Somebody's been keeping secrets Secret. in this quiet they've, town.
2: They've been keeping secrets. Well, it's one of those things too. i kind of, you know, moved on and you go on with your life and you, know, you still have family and friends there. And I kind of got talking to people about like, cause you get questions and kind of the same thing. It was like, is it that bad? And then they'd say, well, you remember this story. You remember that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I, I kind of blogger or, or just moved on and forgot about a lot of the stuff. But I think it's kind of like when you were growing up, um, there's not a lot to do there. So a lot of people, I mean, it, it's, it's nationwide. We know it's. Yeah.
1: That's yeah, certainly not, not limited to Nephi. Cause I'm just sitting, yeah. i just thinking like it's all over
2: Utah and all over the country. But once you get talking to people and stuff and it's like, Oh yeah, my aunt or my cousin, or, you know, your own life, you kind of think about people or guys you went to school with and, you know, it's like, oh, it is. I mean, I was kind of surprised that Brandon brought it up because he's been gone for a while. But then you think about some of the people that he knew or some of the circles he ran around with. It's yeah. his age. And it's like, yeah, it's it's probably a bigger problem. And we just kind of ignore it and uh, pretend like it's not there. And the, the whispering tones, I think, was what he said. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of rang true that way. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it still is or isn't. I, I hope it's not or at least not as bad as it has been. But
1: There's a there's the track at the end, the getting by where um, and he's talked about it and says it's about his father that, uh, you know, he wakes up at 3 a.m. quiet as a mouse, you know, and goes to work. And that's exactly my dad uh, who worked at Hill Air Force Base. A lot of people out in Hopper in that area worked at the base. And he had, you know, the early morning shift and he'd be getting up at like 5 a.m. and quietly do his routine and leave the house and wake none of us up, you know, and just working hard for the family did that his whole life. And, and, you know, anyone that's lived in a, in a working class environment. Um, and that's most of us. I mean, we, we hear these songs and it, it speaks directly to us.
2: Yeah. We're, we're recording where, uh, I mean, probably less than a mile from the Smiths where his dad would work up here. We're in pace. so, um, It's just kind of weird the things that kind of connect with doing it. But um, uh, yeah, we're working class kids and people. And, and even now I wake up early and I drive up, you know, I I live uh, a little South of here. and I I drive up to Orem every day to work and it's the same thing. Five o'clock you get out of bed and try not to make noise. (laughs) And so, yeah, you can, the the songs are very relatable. And I think that's something with Brandon too, is he seems to have that blue collar. I know it's kind of like people compare him to Springsteen in this, a few albums and stuff, and he's done the, the song with him, but he seems to be able to connect that way, which a lot of the big rock stars just don't.
0: I read somewhere online about um, you getting attacked by a goat as a kid. Could you tell us about
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we, we still, my wife was just teasing me about this just earlier this week. Um, yeah. So in, in my neighborhood, uh, some, some neighbors had a, had a goat and it was, it was, they would chain it up outside and it would eat, you know, the, the grass and stuff. And I'm this little kid and I was a scrawny little, guy when i was young and um I, i'm walking over to my friend's house and the goat gets out and it like wants to headbutt me and it like jumped on me and knocked me down and it was kind of i don't know if it was trying to play or if it was trying to gore me i'm gonna i'm gonna go with it, it was attacking me trying to kill me <laughs> um and then and then it uh it did that i was crying and then and then it pooped on the road and left so that was my goat story <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you talked a little still, bit
1: about still teased about that because I won't eat goat cheese. My wife always teases me. I'm like, yeah, goats will kill you, man.
0: <laughs> you
1: talked about a little bit at the beginning, but how how
0: is your uh your relationship with where you grew up changed now that you're older? I
1: I I wish I could just live there, honest to God. Like I wish I could live in Hooper. Uh it'd be a long ass commute. Not that any of us go to work anymore, I mean I can do this all at <laughs> home now, but yeah, I mean there's parts of that little small town the the just the quiet uh that really um are just appealing like you you just want to go back like it just feels warm and home here's a here's a small town story that concerns this album, so I was reffing a football game a couple of weeks ago at Fremont High School, which is out out uh, that's in Plain City which is kind of it neighbors Hooper to the north and I'm driving home Uh, we had a lightning delay so it was super super late it was after 11 I'm driving home and I'm playing the album in the car and it's raining and we're just out I'm just driving these roads out there where there's just nothing because it's just one big Hooper you know and I'm just thinking how freaking beautiful is this and also how small town is it to a be you know refing a high school football game <laughs> and then to be listening to this killers album while driving in the small town where i grew up and uh-huh. missing it considerably like i was just like i kind of want to just go back to my parents house and go to my childhood bedroom now this feels like how this should all end so i don't know like it you uh you have a love-hate relationship with where you grow up and and uh you know mostly i think it's love
2: yeah now, now, Nephi has a kind of a relationship with X96 and it's more the morning show, but I wonder if you can shed some light on it because you know those guys. Uh they've been reading the Times news for a long time. Yeah. But lately with Mona, they've got into this uh Denver and Don Criddle and yeah. cracks me up. I, I love the word of the day because I'm from <laughs> a small town in Utah. Um uh, but can you kind of just elaborate on whatever that's going on there and your uh, I, I you know I, relationship I just, with Nephi there. <laughs>
1: I don't know. Like, so we had a listener that would always send us that that newspaper, and they would, you know, make do small town stories from it, just because it's it's fun. And, and and make no mistake, like they're from small towns too. Carrie Jackson grew up in in Spanish Fork or Salem, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Allred's from Ogden, which whatever, everything's a small town in Utah. <laughs> so uh, and Gina Barbary, by the way, grew up in Hooper. So wow. we're all <laughs> sort of small town kids. But uh, yeah, I don't know where they started the whole uh, Mona with the mayor and his son thing. I think it just was a sketch they did for word of the day. And then they would finish the sketch and then stay in character and keep going. And and it just I crack up like I was telling him, like, that's the funniest damn thing, because it's just so unique. It's so Utah, like it's so small town, whether you're from Mona or Hooper or wherever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever reffed a game in Nephi?
1: Uh, I haven't in Nephi. I did. I think the farthest south I've ever gone was, uh, I want to say Payson, Payson or Spanish Fork. Well, outside your area. So yeah, then they'll send you anywhere. I mean, obviously I'm, I've got a game, yeah. you know, in Vernal. So
0: wherever you go. One of the lyrics in "On Hot Fuss from Andy, you're a star says on the field. I remember you were incredible. That's the, do you have high school football field? So I was wondering if you'd, You'd ever been on the field, because there'd be another connection. But
1: haven't haven't been to the Juab haven't been to Juab High School. I, I'm sure I've had them as the visiting team somewhere over the years, but I haven't done a game out there yet. But you know, it could happen. <laughs> you never
2: know. So, what's the response been um, from from the listeners and stuff? I know you played a lot of Lonely Town songs, especially that first week it came out. Um, yeah. What what's been the feedback that you've been hearing from just people around the state?
1: Uh, People like it. I mean, I, I think it, it, you know, it certainly rings true. And it's weird because there isn't a proper like promotional push from the record label or, or anyone with this album at all. Like they just kind of put it out and there's not necessarily a single, no one's calling me from the label saying, Hey, play this more, you know? So it was just, I think, for us the right thing to do because i i think that you know when you have a band like the killers who look for all intents and purposes they're a utah band at this point i mean half of them live here now um for them to for a band of that caliber to write a song all about utah openly about utah i just thought we would be stupid to not play this and then i also think it's just musically brilliant and you know and i was struggling i like which song, like, for me, my favorite song on the album is West Hills. I don't know if that's quite a radio song, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and then since they put the video out for Quiet Town, I think maybe that's about the biggest, like, push they have. I I, I thought, well, that that's, that's a good up-tempo catchy song that sounds good coming out of the speakers on the radio. So um, that's kind of where we went. And it's interesting, like, the first three songs are my favorites, West Hills, Quiet Town, and uh, Terrible Thing um then there's also in the car outside and and then you know the the getting by like they're all really good i like what do you guys what do you guys think of um uh that track he did that uh desperate thing song where it's like this like fictitious it's almost like um like a movie like of you know the where the where the cop is dealing with the abused girl and you know and then he gets his revenge
0: (laughs) well for us for us, we have our theories about who might not be fictitious. Ah, okay. <laughs> might be and so for us, I mean, there's things like she was going 60 in a 35. There's two roads in Nephi that have 35 mile an hour speed limits, and so you know it's pretty easy to narrow it down. He talks about taking this guy up the canyon in his patrol car, you know, and that's that's one of the roads. So, <laughs> you know, it's just
1: did some big dumb jock go, go missing? But,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so the the murder part was uh was was made up but yeah I, right? yeah
2: no uh, for me like so when the album came out i went and bought the, the cd from a target up in sandy and been planning it all out so me and my wife drove to uh the church that's on the cover the the three crosses uh-huh. we there put the album in the, in the car and uh we just went driving around town and seeing some of the places we I hadn't heard the songs before but we're driving by and it's like oh there's the rubber factory my grandpa worked there <laughs> and, you know do this kind of tour and on that one I was actually driving right up the canyon right when like the big symbol hits of the guy getting killed up the canyon and it's just it's, it's been really cool
0: yeah it's you know the canyon is a part of our life you know there's a, one of the places you go when you're trying to find something to do and you know talks about the the bar you pass that bar on the way up the Way up the canyon and uh, yeah, it's it's one of those songs that um that has you know the geographic references that uh that we can point to and say, That's that's a Nephi, that's I've that's, been there. That's yeah that's
2: been the fun part for us, I think, with doing this is like, okay, that before we'd be like, Okay, we think this is what he's talking about some of the other killer songs we're like, Oh, that's about Nephi, but there's no way to pin him down and say, Tell us it's about Nephi. This one is like he's came out, it's all about Nephi, and we're like, Oh, we the fairgrounds or or Jones yeah.
1: Jones rubber plant, like Jones rubber plant things. is just yeah. like it's
2: almost surreal. So, <laughs> you know, it's just like, all right, this is this is happening. So it's been really cool and, and having people that you know have been just coming to see the town or drive around. It's just it's just kind of fun.
1: Did you guys get a chance to see them in concert the last time they came through, which would have been a couple of years ago, I guess now?
0: No. We we went together in uh 2012 when they played at, at UVU. Okay. The time I've actually seen him live, uh we didn't see him I, I think it was at Vivant Smart Home Arena. Last time is that the one you're referring to? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, apparently he uh we read a review of that where he talks about um and we've seen it on on YouTube of uh, people recording it even in in other places around the country where he talks about uh uh this river is wild is about him wanting to get out of Nephi and he says, you know, just talks about one of his friends from eighth grade and saying how he left Nephi and he's up there on the stage doing all this so that he never, so they never send him back there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of hurtful, but then he, he, he goes on and says something about, um, maybe, maybe there's nothing wrong with that town. Maybe, maybe it's me. Um, because I'm still up here. I'm still chasing a dream. I'm still,
1: you know, still recording and, and, and doing concerts. So, well you you can tell you can tell when you listen to the album. I mean yeah, he brings up some unpleasant things here and there, but you can tell he loves it. Like it it has a special place in his heart. Like it's it's a really it's a love letter to to Nephi and where he grew up. Um I think. I mean that's my interpretation of it. I I feel like he's he's um not dumping on it at all. I think he's just yeah. telling yeah. stories about what's there and being honest about it.
2: Well, I'm there for a while, uh, being there and, and him leaving and going to Vegas and always saying the band was from Vegas. There was almost a complex with the town, which <laughs> a lot in Utah, anyways, of this Utah complex. Where we're like, but you know, you're really from here, or why don't you show us some love or stuff? And uh, like you're saying, this this whole album's a, a love letter. And uh, like like you were saying earlier too, a lot of the bands moved here in the state, and um, so that's just been really cool, almost to reconnect. I know he's been around town, and, and people have their stories and stuff with him, so.
1: I liked I liked seeing them uh, when the, during the pandemic when they were uh talking about the previous album, they were doing performances on um, you know, Kimmel and whatnot. And they were just like they're pretty open about, hey, live, you know, from Park City, Utah, where we're, you know, in the bathroom because it has good acoustics and we're gonna play, you know, him and uh, Ronnie do the song. And um so it's good that they're kind of talking about that in a, in a very open way. One of the
0: things I was gonna mention at the beginning when I was introducing you is that you are one of my favorite people because uh, about nine years ago, a song came on the radio. I called the station. You answered and awarded me $1,000. Oh, really? <laughs> no one's ever just, you know, you never call someone and they give you $1,000. So the first thing I bought with that $1,000 from that radio contest was an MP3 of the song that you played to get uh, that I had to call in on. So it
1: was like the cash bribes song of the day, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, jump into the, song? the
0: Jump into the fog by the wombats. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> I think we've so all forgotten still, about that song yeah, by now.
0: But I, I've got the MP3 because it, <laughs> it left me with $999. Well, that.
1: good news for you. Starting November 1st, we're bringing back the, uh, the cash bribe. So uh, it'll be a thousand bucks a day for the first three weeks of November. Maybe, Jimmy, you can win another grand from us yes. and uh, <laughs> download a song.
2: <laughs> well Todd there's uh there's kind of a, a folklore about just small towns in Utah and music and I, I had a question for you it's not killers related but we had uh the Rage Against the Machine concert in Spanish Fork oh yes um you were uh I don't know if you guys were promoting it or whatever but it turned into quite an event um oh yeah what what do you remember about that or
1: so uh, <laughs> our listeners I, about I, that. I, I was there uh and that's like the first time I saw Rage and I remember um the, you know, it was at the Spanish Fork Fairgrounds, and I don't know who, I can't remember the promoter or whatever that was put on. There's, there's a lot of stories about, oh, no one knew what it was. But eventually, someone caught wind that it was this, you know, hardcore band, ooh, scary, and, and totally misinterpreting the band just all the way. And, <laughs> and they, they, they wanted to cancel it and they brought in extra cops. And I remember there were so many cops at this show. Um to keep order. Like they thought a riot was going to happen, and it really was nothing at all like that. I mean, we were all there just to watch a show. And uh um one of my friends uh that worked with us, uh, uh a girl, her name, um well, won't get into that, but she was wearing a shirt with with it was an MC uh what was it? MC Escher. So that's that's an artist, right? Artist, yeah. Not not, you know, but they got they're like, that's a, that's a MC. That's a rap. You can't wear that shirt in here. (laughs) She took it off. She was just in her, in her, uh, in her. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Because somehow that was better. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, that's a a gang related shirt. It's like, Oh my God. (laughs) Um, And then I remember uh, Zach Dale Roca got on stage and addressed it. He's like, you know, he's like, they thought that we were going to bring all these like gangs from LA to cause problems. He's like, that's the you know that's the last thing we do. We're the we're machine. We're about the people. We're we're nonviolent. Yeah, we talk about things, but that's uh, it, it was it was quite
2: an experience. And yeah, we just we just uh, we were I, I, we were sophomores that year, right? I, I think so. Freshmen or sophomores, and so we couldn't. We weren't quite old enough to get there, but we heard all the <laughs> t- legends grew up. And it's still, I mean, I think Spanish Forks still to this day will just do country artists or something. They're still like. <laughs> Things put in place that you can't play the fairgrounds if uh, if you have a guitar. Country
1: artists and demolition derbies, by God, (laughs) (laughs) I've been to both. Hell yeah, well, me too. (laughs)
2: Uh,
0: So we want to give you a chance to to plug what you have going on. We mentioned uh, I don't know if I mentioned your podcast, Railroad Roll by, um, your train podcast
1: that you co-host. Where else can people find you? Uh, you can listen to me on the radio, uh, X 96 from 3 PM to 7 PM weekdays. And if you're, uh, not in Utah, you can get our app. You can stream us at X 96.com or tell your smart speaker to play X 96 and we'll be there in all of our
2: glory. And we, we play the killers a lot. So (laughs) you'll, you'll definitely hear that. Yeah. I mean, you guys are definitely a pioneer of alternative, uh, in Utah, and I, I grew up listening to, to X96, and I, I wonder what would have happened had you guys not been here uh, musically. I think you guys are a little more special, and, and you made a go of it in a place where people traditionally would think it wouldn't work. So I appreciate yeah, work. It, it. I'm sure it's you know not always been easy, but uh, for the kids my age and, and all that, you guys really, uh, I mean, you're a staple in our lives, and, and you've been a big part of that, so I appreciate that.
1: Well, thank you. I, I, that means a lot. I mean, we, you know, w- we've survived because we, all of us are from Utah and in small towns, as I mentioned kind of before. So we know all about the culture here. And I I think we understand how far you can go with a Mormon joke, you know, Uh, and, and everything like that. We know where the, where the boundaries are. I grew up Mormon, so I know like we all, most of us did. So um uh, we know where where you can poke fun and where you, you best stop um, and then like we listen to our audience like we've always been receptive to you know what people in Utah want to hear and and we've always kind of crafted the station around that so um, we wouldn't be here without people like you and so thank, thank you for putting up with our silly crap for the last 30 years
2: <laughs> it's
1: been our pleasure yep. I don't
0: know that we mentioned Todd's the program director so Todd is to me, you are X 96. You're you, you know, everything that happens there um, you have a hand in and have made successful. So um, thanks again for coming on with us and uh, for your influence.
1: Well, thank you. I'm just, I'm desperately trying not to screw it up. So oh, well, you doing did make... a good
2: job. Uh, we didn't get into your books or the Depeche mode. Those were two things I had on my list.
1: Ah, well, you know we can we can do another episode if you want.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm always happy to talk about my books
1: in Depeche mode, but man, that'll no. that'll be another hour and a half. No, all right, <laughs> well,
2: we'll we'll let you go. We know you got a big day ahead of you, so uh, we appreciate your time and coming in here, and and it, it's been awesome.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It was it was uh, it was fun to talk about this album. I just I didn't expect like when when we when the label said, "Hey, there's this new killer's album coming. It's going to be kind of different." Uh, Not what you'd expect. And they kind of prepared us for, you know, you know, like it's we kind of very Americana, a little Bruce Springsteen ish, you know, we don't know if we're going to promote anything. So I was kind of prepping myself for like, you know, more songs about the desert, you know, (laughs) 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 a lot from the killers. And so I wasn't really that excited for it, but then they sent me the advance and I'll be damned if it didn't just catch my attention, like right away. And so yeah, that's did, been, uh, it's been fun to experience it and talk about it. How did you line
2: up that interview with Brandon? Was that through the record company or did you guys? It
1: was, and I and I can't believe we got it. Honestly, I mean, Brandon's always been like super cool to us, um, and I just didn't know that that was gonna, like. I, I felt like I'm like I'm gonna shoot for the moon here, and we'll see if something can work out. And it almost didn't because they were going to New York to do some promo for it and and whatnot. So. Uh, We ended up recording it like four days before it aired because we played it on the Friday when the album came out. I think he came in on like Monday or Tuesday after Radio From Hell. And so we recorded all then and then just kind of sat on it and then played it back. Um, And that that changed, you know, as we were putting this together, they're like, well, he could come this time. Okay, maybe not that time. Could you do this day? Well, could you do it? So it it bounced around and I thought there's no way in hell. But then it did. (laughs) shows up and was happy to be there. Oh, and one more quick story Um, with Brandon. Like he's just it's so this happened uh, when the uh, now I can't remember the name of the album. Um, God, brain fart. The one with I'm the man. uh, Wonderful,
0: wonderful. Yes. When that was about
1: to come out, uh, the label said, hey, there's new killers. Would you like to come get a preview? We're going to fly some program directors to New York City to hear four or five of these new songs would you like to go? And I'm like, yeah, what the hell? And so I went to New York and it was the weirdest thing. We're in this, like, they, they get all the PDs and we're from stations all across the country, guys from LA, from Seattle, from Colorado, you know, and they, they bring us in and (laughs) they just settle us into this little recording studio area somewhere in, in New York. And then the band comes in, And I'm in there with all these radio people and promo people, and they walk in, and Brandon comes in. He's like, "Oh, hey, Todd," (laughs) (laughs) and I felt so cool. I'm like, "Yeah, the rock star knows who I am, bitches."
2: (laughs) (laughs) Have you had uh, Have you had like personal conversations, like, because during the interview, you kind of play songs and stuff. What What kind of stuff does he want to talk about? Music? Does he talk about growing up in Utah, or is it just kind of whatever?
1: Yeah, there was there was a a story. that this is what Gina was telling me that when they were doing one of the songs, uh, they were they were talking about. He said something about how when The Cure came and played, and I forget which time it was. Would it have been ninety two or ninety three? I think. Anyway, uh, he's like, "That was the first time I wore makeup." <laughs> I like, when the Cure concert, put eyeliner on.
2: <laughs> well, you're not going to hear that on any other podcast. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, thanks again. We uh we close by saying that's another episode down from Lonely Town. So thanks Todd. Cool,
1: thanks you guys.